This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. What's the state of cybersecurity education in Asia today? Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. I'm discussing this topic today with Philip Victor. He's the Director of Training and Skills Development with IMPACT which is the International Multilateral Partnership Against Cyber Threats, which is located in Malaysia. Philip, can you tell us a little bit about IMPACT and the issues that the organization hopes to address? Okay. Um, As the name suggests, um, it is an international organization. And the key word I would say here is that it is the first United Nations-backed organization to provide a politically neutral platform to countries across the globe to come together to address cybersecurity issues. So basically, IMPACT provides the platform for countries regardless of political status where we can actually facilitate and coordinate cybersecurity issues, uh, even cyber attacks, we can help them to uh, help them mitigate these kind of issues. Philip, what can you tell us about the state of cybersecurity in some of the countries that you serve, particularly in Asia? There are different issues being faced by different countries. And um, just to share with you, um, just uh, two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, um, Myanmar was uh, under attack. Uh, it had a, a denial, distributed denial of service attack, similar to what happened in Estonia in 2007. Um, <clears throat> uh, they were able to mitigate to a certain extent, but um, they have a computer emergency response team in place, but they came to us. So impact help them to coordinate these kind of efforts and help them to mitigate this. In terms of overall, I would say that um, Asia is, is, is still, um, I think, number one in terms of expertise is still lacking. We do not have enough of cybersecurity professionals in Asia, but it's growing. Um, different risks, different countries have different risks. Um, what we are trying to do is we are trying to establish a computer emergency response team in every country around the globe. Uh, and if you talk about Asia itself, majority of countries in Asia have already set up the computer emergency response team. Uh, if you look at legislation, legislation-wise, they are still far behind because many countries still do not have legislations in place. When I talk about legislation, I'm talking about cyber laws. We are still lacking far behind in terms of cyber laws. Some countries are a little bit more advanced. Uh, if you take countries like Malaysia, Singapore, uh, they do have quite a number of cyber laws, um, the countries like Japan and so on. Uh, but majority of countries are still putting it in place. But the good news is that countries that have already become part of the ITU Impact Coalition are beginning to address this issue. Uh, we are beginning to tell them, like, look, these are things that you need to put in place. For example, in Philippines, in Philippines, some of the acts are being being presented, and um, uh, uh, some of uh, sorry, some of the bills are being presented in Parliament to turn it into an act. And for cyber law and some other countries as well. So uh, I think the issues in terms of cyber threat, what Asia faces is what the world is facing. The threats are the same. In terms of their speed of readiness, it varies. What are some of the challenges you face as an organization helping these nations respond to these threats you've outlined? Um, some of the key challenges we get is that because uh, different sovereign nations have got different laws in place, and having said that, different laws, uh, we need to handle different countries differently, especially when it comes to cyberspace. <clears throat> now, IMPACT has been doing a good job in that sense because uh, 
we have a system in place called ESCAPE. Now, ESCAPE stands for Electronically Secure Collaborative Application Platform for Experts. Now, what happens is that when a country joins the ITU Impact Coalition, they will nominate key people within the countries. Key people meaning who are the key people for the regulators in the country, the key people for, for the, from the ministry, the key people from the law enforcement, key people from the third group. Now, Impact then builds this database. So, when a cyber attacks happen, we are able to know who to coordinate with within a particular country. For example, just say taking the Myanmar DDoS attack that is happening, that happened recently. When Myanmar is under attack, and if we trace that some of the attacks are coming for, say for example, Thailand, we can communicate with the Thailand ISP, with the Thailand law enforcement, or with the Thailand CERT, because Thailand is a partner country of impact, and we know who are the key focal points within these groups. And we can tell them that, look, attacks are coming from this from your country. We need you to close down this, this, this servers and so on. So that way, we are able to mitigate it faster. Again, impact is only two years old. We are still building the list. <clears throat> it will take some time. Currently, we have 52 countries who have joined the ITU Impact Coalition, which is not too bad. Um, more countries are coming on board. And as we build this database bigger, um, we are able to better coordinate this. But definitely, you know, we will have a lot of challenges because um, countries, in terms of when attacks happen, to get the countries to help us to coordinate, we have to abide by the laws, we have to abide by different rules and regulations and so on. And some countries, they do not have certain cyber laws in place, especially when it comes to prosecution and all that. It's very difficult. Um, if you want to go into prosecution, getting the laws, getting, you know, information from countries is not easy. These are some of the key challenges. But on the on a lighter note, I think that um, <clears throat> so far, based on what we have addressed, um, some of the issues we have seen so far, we have been getting good communication and good responses from our countries that have joined the coalition. Probably as we grow this coalition into a bigger uh, group, um, number of countries joining us becomes more. I think we would better address the situation, but definitely challenges will always be there in terms of gate because uh, I give you a very good example. Uh, people will always call even the third group or call Impact up and say, hey, look, I've got an issue on Facebook, or I've got an issue on YouTube, somebody has posted up this thing. Now, when you, when you communicate with Facebook or YouTube, they will say, hey, this kind of thing is okay. Uh, we can't disclose it down, you know. Uh, that's to us, it's, it's not a breach, it's, 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 it's uh, legal, it's, for them. it's okay for them to put it up. So, you know, how do we address this kind of thing? So these are the kind of things that we need to have personal communication with uh, various different um, agencies, uh, even Facebook for the matter. Uh, we have uh, established a good communication with Facebook as well. You know, we, tried, we, we have talked to, to um, entities like Google or Yahoo, for example, when it comes We've had instances where ministers' email were uh, being hacked and all that. We had to get um, uh, Google or Yahoo to help out on these instances. So I think we are getting there. So a lot of challenges in that sense. And uh, I think we are getting there. You know. Give us a sense, just sort of stepping back, in the ways that Impact really tries to help a member nation. To give you a good example, um, I, do, I would give you the latest example that um, we just faced, uh, which is the current one is um, um, 
uh, in January, in mid-January, Myanmar was um, heavily attacked, uh, what we call as a DDoS attack, a distributed denial of service. Now, this is an attack that is very similar to the one that happened in Estonia in 2007, which crippled Estonia for three weeks. Now, immediately they com communicated this to us, and immediately we communicated back to them, asking them to take certain um, uh, steps that to help them mitigate this. And um, within within uh, two days, I would say, after we had come back, uh, send them information, telling them what to do, how to do, and all these things, they were able to mitigate this risk. They were back to normal situation, almost normal situation after that. And uh, one and a half weeks later, they had another strain of attacks. And once again, they communicated back with us. And this time, we went further to look into where these attacks were coming from, and we were and we started communicating with some of the countries that the attacks were coming from, and we were able to help them uh, mitigate this risk. Impact itself is not an incident response team. We help to, uh, them to coordinate and facilitate this. So we do not have an incident response center. We have a global response center where we provide uh, early warning system. Uh, Impact has the richest source of threat information around the world, where we, we are fed with threat data from the globe by 20 different partners globally. Uh, some of the very largest players in the world have uh, feeds data into our system. And this data is provided to countries. Well, you make a good point that the organization is only two years old. Over time, how will you measure impact success? I, I would see that in terms of um, um, results that I've seen, uh, again, for being two years old, the first year we, we barely did much because we were busy getting countries to join the Impact Coalition. But as in 2010, we achieved quite a number of milestones. Um, number one, uh, we started embarking on a project with the ITU to help countries set up their computer incident response team or computer emergency response team. And um, the first um, continent we really went into were, uh, was um, uh, in Africa. Africa, majority of the countries in Africa does not have a computer incident response team. So we started by doing a assessment in the country to find out where they are right now, where they need to be, and then we are now actually charting out uh, the whole plan to set up the search in these countries uh, in, in Africa. We did the East Africa, we did West Africa, and we did Central Africa. We also did Eastern Europe. We did countries like Serbia, we did countries like Poland, we did countries like Armenia, Albania, um, uh, Montenegro. So uh, we have done that as well. So I think that we are beginning to see that uh, we have already done the first stage of developing certs, and now we are going to go into phase two, where we are actually going to implement this to actually set up the cert in the country. So <clears throat> the assessment has already been done, number one. Number two, in terms of training and skills development, we have started training a lot of um, uh, cybersecurity people around the globe. We have we started last year uh, capacity building programs for countries. We had very good response. Um, we also did training for law enforcement agencies around the world. We had a very good response for that. That's another area that we embark on, is that we are trying to work closely with the Interpol um, to help them, to provide them with the system that we have so that they can access our early warning system. And that's still ongoing. But we started doing capacity building for law enforcement agencies. Um, we have trained quite a number of uh, law enforcement, uh, enforce, uh, enforcement personnel last year. 
we did uh, we did a training on um, network uh, investigation, yeah? <clears throat> forensics and investigation for them. Uh, this year, we're going to do a lot more trainings on those areas. Um, next, we also deployed quite a number of scholarships last year to help countries to to develop more cybersecurity professionals. So I'm glad to say that uh, last year we deployed scholarships to 20 to 23 countries throughout the globe. And uh, I think that's fantastic that we were able to deploy these scholarships to give them an opportunity to, to enhance their skills and also to get them certified. So this is part of our charter to get more cybersecurity professionals around the world certified. Because I think the biggest challenge um, that any organizations have around the world, um, even the Department of Homeland Security themselves last, early last year have made a statement that they need thousands of cybersecurity professionals, certified professionals, and we can't find, uh, because they, the world is having a shortage of cybersecurity professionals. So part of our work that we do is to develop this, to develop more cybersecurity professionals around the globe. And I think we, we did a pretty decent job last year. Uh, just to mention, um, we have two organizations who have given us scholarships. Uh, one is SANS Institute from the US, and the other is EC Council. Both have given us um, scholarships worth uh, 1 million US dollar each, which are to be deployed to all our partner countries around the globe. And we are glad that uh, it has gone to good use. We have deployed it to 23 countries around the globe. We have certified quite a number of people last year. And this year, we're going more into uh, these countries. And we are targeting more on the developing nations because these countries need the scholarships more than the other countries. So uh, we have seen many pro professionals being developed last year. Uh, we, we have also embarked on starting a child online protection initiative. This is an ITU and United Nations initiative to protect children on cyberspace. And um, this is something that ITU and IMPACT are starting to embark on. We, we did a preliminary kind of thing last year, but this year we are actually going into countries to run awareness program on child online protection. We are going to help the government to implement programs in the country, not short-term programs, but short and long-term programs, which eventually could be incorporated into their curriculum as well. On the two years that you've been active now, what lessons has the organization learned that might help other nations, other organizations in trying to achieve these objectives you've discussed today? Okay, um, the, the, the main thing I would say is that no country can work alone. And that's, that's the main thing I want to say here today. Countries cannot fight cyber threats alone. It is not something that they can do alone because cyber attacks are borderless. Today, attacks come from all over the world. A DDoS attack, for example, can come from 20 different countries into one country. And you cannot fight it alone because um, countries have got different political stands, countries have got different uh, agendas, uh, sovereignty of countries with other countries, issues that, that are facing in terms of political issues and so on. Therefore, we need to work together under a common platform. And that is where the IQ Impact platform comes into place. There are many other platforms, but none that has a politically neutral platform like Impact. And that is why ITU and Impact are fighting this cause to get countries on board because we cannot fight this battle alone. We need all countries to come together. Number two is that we, we also see that one of the other lessons we understand that is happening is that laws. Laws, number one, even taking countries that have cyber laws in place, 
we need to harmonize the laws. And that's another thing I would like to share here, is that countries need to come together and harmonize the laws that we have. That is why one of the biggest questions I get, I speak in conferences all around the world, and one of the biggest questions I always get is, how many people have been prosecuted for cyber crimes? There are just too few of it happening, but the threats and the attacks are a lot. Why? Simple, because laws are not harmonized. You may have a law, but when the laws are not harmonized between countries, that is where the problem occurs. So, for example, spam law is the most popular law. In one country, there is spam law. In another country, there is no spam law. So, I do it from there. A good case in point would be the guy who created the I Love You virus in Philippines a couple of years ago. At that point of time in Philippines, when he created the virus, there was no law that could prosecute him for what he did. And therefore, that's it. He couldn't be prosecuted. And that is why we need to have laws, number one. Secondly, having laws is one thing. Harmonizing these laws across all nations is so crucial. And we, the UN and the IT is looking seriously into this, either some kind of a cyber treaty or you know, for a way to harmonize this law. So these are the things that can, can, can make uh, fighting these threats easier. Well, Philip, I want to thank you very much for your time and for your insight today. We've been talking with Philip Victor, the Director of Training and Skills Development at the International Multilateral Partnership Against Cyber Threats. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much. This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.